Hello and welcome to Freelance Party Broadcast, the podcast brought to you by Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers. I'm Faye and this is Jess. Hiya! Today we are joined by Dr Michael Farker, who is a sleep consultant for the NHS and is here to talk to us about how freelancers can get a better night's sleep. I feel like there is so much we can all learn from getting a better night's sleep. But why can sleep be particularly difficult for freelancers? I think it's particularly difficult for everybody, to be honest. Um, (laughs) So we know that most adults are probably a little bit sleep deprived. I think the challenges for freelancers in particular is that when you are doing a regular nine to five job, you have a degree of structure to that. Um, And I think, so my understanding of freelancers is that often there is less consistency to structure, that you might be doing one thing one day, something different the next day. You might be working from home, you might be working in different environments. So you lose some of that kind of regular routine and structure that we all need as part of our day to day lives. And actually sleep is very much dependent on routine structure and habit. So if you're in a job that takes away some of that, it is going to make sleep slightly more vulnerable. Right, okay. Because there are so many products on the market nowadays to help you sleep. But are there any myths around better sleep that we should know about or avoid before we get started? Yeah. (laughs) The biggest myth, to be perfectly honest, is that, you know, getting the latest gadget or the latest magic sleep cream or whatever is suddenly going to sort out your sleep and fix all the problems. Mm. Um, The real truth about getting the best quality sleep is it's about doing simple things really well. But the type of simple things that are important for sleep are the type of things that people are not very used to prioritising and um, sticking to. So everyone's always looking for that quick fix um, to try and fix sleep. And to be honest, a lot of the time that's not there and it's not going to happen. Other myths. Um, so lots of them, you know, so you get the kind of the Margaret Thatcher idea that you know, <laughs> uh, the better you are, the less sleep you need. Very much not the case. Um, that kind of idea of how much sleep need is often something that people get very hung up on. Uh, and there's lots of misconceptions around that in particular. So you said like about you should get too hung up on how much sleep you have. I mean, every morning I go onto my Fitbit app and see how Mm. much sleep I've had. And it says like, oh, you had seven and a half hours and your sleep score is 83. And I think, oh, brilliant. I've had a good night's sleep. But how trustworthy are these like new gadgets and stuff that so tell us these? the gadgets are not that trustworthy so the fitbit type things um you probably pay about 100 150 quid for a fitbit yeah uh, in our sleep lab we use a bit of a kit that is very similar to that it costs about a thousand pounds and i don't trust the results of it that much to be perfectly honest um they are getting better and this kind of wearable technology is something that is going to get better in terms of looking at sleep but at the moment they're probably not that great And what we know, so we've done research looking, uh, or research has been done looking at what happens when people wear these devices, is that the overall effect of people wearing these devices is they tend to make sleep worse rather than better. So if you wear one of these and your sleep's all right, you kind of do it for a few nights and you kind of go, oh, it's telling me what I already know and you stop wearing it. The kind of people that often carry on wearing them are the people who are obsessively then starting to look at it and go, oh my God, I got seven hours sleep last night and I'm meant to get seven and a half. <laughs> That's me. And that just makes you more stressed and anxious because then you're going to bed that night going, oh my God, I got bad sleep last night, so I really have to get good sleep tonight. And that just gets you more stressed and anxious. And stress and anxiety, I'm afraid, is one of the things that is an absolute killer when it comes to good quality sleep. This so- is so true for me. This is exactly what I do. And in the morning, when I log on and I see oh, I had a bad sleep score and it was only like six hours yeah. 58 minutes I was that close to seven hours I'm like right that's it my day's ruined absolutely (laughs) and it it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy you know so yes you know if you've had a bad night's sleep you are likely to be symptomatic of that a little bit in the daytime but if you then focus on that it actually tends to make it even worse and people get very hung up on sleep in that kind of way and for most people that focus on sleep uh, is actually counterproductive and they've actually created uh, the the researchers that did this looking at Fitbit
experts have created an entirely new disease called orthosomnia um, <laughs> to describe the impact of sleep in a negative way on people who wear Fitbits. So it will come. We will get to a point where these devices are giving us better information and can be useful. And some people do find them useful. But overall, probably they're not actually going to be the magic cure for your sleep. Well, you know what? I wish I hadn't asked that now. <laughs> <laughs> I've been, she's I've got been, it. She's got it, everyone. Diagnosed. <laughs> that may be the theme, I'm afraid. Okay, fab. <laughs> yeah, we'll regret all these questions. Well, a question that I wanted to take off of that as well is how, how much is a good amount of sleep to have? So that's part of the issue with all these things. So all these things come with recommendations for, you know, you need to get X amount of sleep. And the truth of it is, is that the right amount of sleep for you is something that only you can actually work out. Mm. So there is a range of normal, but where you sit in that range of normal is very individual. Um, I'm a paediatrician, so we're very used to, if you're looking at children, um, and true for adults as well, but if you take anyone of any age and say, how tall should a person who is 14 be? There isn't a right answer to that. There's a mm. range of normal. Um, but, and we're very used to thinking about that in terms of things like height and weight. But for sleep, everybody gets very fixated on what is the magic number that everybody should get. And it just doesn't exist. So the, the most common amount of sleep, so the median amount of sleep that adults need is probably between seven to eight hours. But the range of normal is between probably about six hours and 10 hours. Now, if you're somebody that needs seven hours of sleep and you get seven hours of sleep, then brilliant, you're fine. If you get seven hours of sleep, but you need 10 hours of sleep, then you are three hours sleep deprived every night of your life. So you can get the same amount of sleep as another person. But how that relates to how sleep deprived you are depends on your own sleep need. And that's something that only you can work out. So how do you work that out then? Is See, it that's the next question. <laughs> yeah, that's the, next so question. <laughs> the simplest way to do that is, so a lot of it is, and we'll probably talk a little bit down the line about uh, the things that are good and bad for sleep in general, but the, the simplest way to do it is the next time you're on holiday and you've got an extended period of time where you don't have to worry about work pressures and all the rest of it, you set yourself the task of trying to go to bed at the same time each night and do all the boring basic things about getting good quality sleep, but go to bed at the same time, let yourself fall asleep naturally and then let yourself wake up naturally. And what people tend to find is the first few days and nights they do that, they will oversleep because they're catching up sleep that they've missed. But after a few days, what you tend to find is you go to sleep at the same time and you'll wake up at the same time. And whatever that length of time is, that is probably pretty close to the amount of time that you need individually for sleep. And once you know that, then you can then start to try and plan your days and nights to give yourself close to that amount of sleep. A really simple check for that, if you sleep longer at the weekend, so if you sleep longer at the weekend when you don't have to worry about an alarm to wake you up, if you're sleeping longer then you are catching up sleep that you've missed on the, on the weekdays. So oversleeping at the weekend is a relatively sensitive marker for being sleep deprived. And can you sleep too much as well? It's quite difficult to sleep too much, to be honest. So most people, so most adults in this country are a bit sleep deprived. So given the chance, you will oversleep to catch up. But once you've caught up, you will then get to the point where you just wake up. You can't force yourself to sleep longer. Mm. Um, and it's actually quite difficult to force yourself to sleep longer if you're not sleep deprived. Um, you can find yourself... so. If you find yourself sleeping extended periods of time compared to your normal, then it's often a sensitive uh, check, you know, something else might be wrong. So sleep is one of the ways that the body compensates when you're unwell, for example. So if you've got a bad flu, you will often find that you end up sleeping longer and then you will recover sleep a bit longer uh, to get over that. But that usually balances out over a few days. So it's actually quite difficult to oversleep consistently unless you've got something else going on. I feel so much better about my napping now. <laughs> ah, well, <laughs> napping. Um, so napping is another thing. Um, so again, as a healthy adult, um, you shouldn't need to nap in the daytime. Um, so if you are napping in the daytime, you are probably sleep deprived at nighttime. 
Um, so again, that's another way of saying, well, am I getting the right amount of sleep at nighttime? If you absolutely need to have daytime sleep, then you are probably just not getting enough at night. For the for the listener, Faye's nostrils flared <laughs> <laughs> so much there um, because Faye regularly has a two-hour nap so, in the day. So, uh, so you can use daytime sleep. And actually, one of the things we encourage against is having long periods of sleep in the daytime because what ends up happening, so if you are having a two-hour nap in the daytime, you will get into the deeper stages of sleep when you do that. And you only need so much deep sleep in a 24-hour period. If you end up having a good hour and a half worth of deep sleep in the daytime, what you're going to find probably is you'll find it more difficult to get to sleep close mm. to your normal bedtime that night and then you're less likely to get good quality sleep. So if you do need to nap in the daytime, we very much advocate the more the power nap kind of idea. So grab a 15 to 20 minute nap, which is enough to give you a bit of a recharge, but isn't long enough to get into the deeper stages of sleep, which then doesn't tend to affect uh, the bedtime uh, when you're trying to get to bed at night time. Good advice. I need that in my life. <laughs> and just for reference, I don't nap two hours each day. I can't physically do that. Not, at every, work. not in work, no. But on the weekends. <laughs> but on the weekends, I like to have yeah, so, like, yes, um, like a two hour, three hour nap before I go out. Catching up yeah. a little bit. Exactly. The other kind of twist to that, and you see that, um, so again, depending on the type of freelance work that the, the people who are listening to you are doing. So companies like Google and Amazon, for example, have started to put in place the, the kind of the sleep pods in the daytime. And what they are kind of pushing is this idea so one of the things that sleep helps us with is thinking and learning and there's some role for sleep and creative thinking so they kind of think well if we give our employees these kind of abilities to have these power naps well maybe that will help to think better and more creatively and they'll come up with better ideas so you see that kind of idea filtering through as well but yeah if you absolutely need to sleep in the daytime it's probably telling you either you're just not getting enough sleep at nighttime which is by far the most likely cause or it may be that you've got some problem with your sleep that you should then be going and speaking to your doctor about and saying is there something else going on here so how do you go about getting a good night's sleep and um, what are the what's your like top tips to sleep so the boring truth about it is it is very much about doing simple things well so sleep is something that we get into as a habit and the more consistent that habit is the better quality sleep we get so it's about trying as much as possible to sticking to going to bed at the same time each night and trying to get up at the same time each day which actually is often the real key point um, particularly the weekend um, it's then about doing all the really basic boring stuff well. So we know, for example, that being on phones and screen devices and televisions just before bedtime is bad for sleep. Um, and that's to do with the biology of sleep, the way that those uh, that light affects sleep in particular. So we very much say do not have these devices in your bedroom and try and avoid using them for the hour or so before bed. Again, boring doctor stuff. Uh, <laughs> exercise, good for you for lots and lots and lots of reasons. But actually, the, the more exercise you get in the daytime, the better you are likely to be able to get to sleep at nighttime and the better quality sleep you're likely to get. Um, and then it's about avoiding things that are bad for sleep. So um, light is very much one of those. And um, caffeine. So lots of people, if they are sleep deprived and they're tired in the daytime, they use caffeine to try and get them through the day. But the problem with caffeine is the positive effect will last for a little while, but then it wears off. But the negative effect, and that will affect the quality of sleep you get, lasts a lot longer. So if you mainline caffeine all the way through the day, you will get to sleep at the end of the day because you're sleep deprived. But the quality of the sleep is rubbish, which means you then feel more tired the next day, which means you drink more caffeine and it just goes round and round and round in a, in a negative circle. Um, and the same so for other drugs and stimulants um, can affect sleep. Alcohol, um, so alcohol is probably a little bit of alcohol early on in the evening to help us as part of relaxing and winding down, probably helpful. But the more alcohol you drink, the closer to bedtime you drink it, the less good quality sleep you're going to get. Um, so all those guys, it's all it's very basic, boring stuff. 
The other one, kind of touched on there briefly, is we all need some kind of way to switch off, relax and wind down at the end of the day. If you are going to bed with your mind racing and full of the stress and worries and pressures of the day, then you don't sleep very well. So whatever works for you, we all need something that helps us to relax and wind down, in, particularly in that last hour before bed. And preferably doesn't involve watching Netflix uh, or something else like that on your phone or whatever. Described my life. (laughs) See, I told you. Oh no, I've been doing it all wrong. (laughs) When you say about um, you know people having the stress anxieties of their day Mm. and taking them to bed, I I do think that's quite relevant to freelancers, and that's Mm. what a lot of freelancers said when you know we put on Twitter that we were doing this podcast. How, How can you kind of? take those stress anxieties away before bedtime? So there isn't a single answer um, and everybody will have their own way to relax and wind down. Um, There are some strategies that are more likely to work for more people. So um, mindfulness, um, which is a kind of a a focused way of helping people to relax, wind down and switch off is often very helpful. So all mindfulness is it teaches you a series of mental and physical exercises that are designed to help you focus on relaxing, winding down and calming basically Mm. at the end of the day Um, and you can buy you know you go into any of the bookshops and pick up you know simple guides to mindfulness there's a great app in which I have no commercial interest called Headspace um, which you can download on your phone and it teaches you all those kind of things mindfulness works for a lot of people but as with most of these things you have to commit to it it's not something you can kind of half-heartedly do and say oh it didn't work for me and then abandon it if you're going to do it you really have to commit to it properly and it doesn't work for everybody so some people that's just not the way their brain works so again, lots of different things. Um, Lush, a few years back, uh, made a lot of money. Out of, they had this magic sleepy cream that had lavender in it uh, mm. that seemed to help some people get to sleep. And lavender is actually one of the o- older remedies for sleep. And we think one of the main reasons that lavender helps sleep is that it has a natural relaxing and calming effect. Um, and Lush made lots of money from doing that. For most people, you can buy much cheaper versions of lavender mm. and it will work absolutely fine. But again, it doesn't work for everybody. People use strategies like white noise in their bedroom, uh, you know, to try and make the bedroom environment calming. Your bedroom is really important. You spend a third of your lives asleep. um, So investing in a good quality bed, you know, you need to be comfortable to be able to get to sleep. Uh, Investing in things like blackout blinds, blackout curtains that stop light coming in. Uh, Thinking about the temperature of your bedroom, again, can be really difficult, particularly in London over the summer of the last couple (laughs) of years. And all of these things together just help to create that environment uh, and try and get you to get to sleep. I think I heard the other day that 18 degrees is meant to be the perfect temperature to sleep. Yeah, for most people. And again, you know, all of these things are uh, generalisations, but 18 is a pretty good figure to aim for. Um, In the last couple of summers in London, uh, with the uh, summer (coughs) temperatures, we've seen bedroom temperatures about 30 degrees at night time, and nobody sleeps well in that. Um, And it's actually really difficult, because in this country, we don't traditionally invest in air conditioning, we invest in heaters, because that's always Mm. been our problem in the past. Um, And it's actually quite difficult to cool a room down. Really simple hacks can actually make a difference. So you stick a fan in a 30-degree bedroom, and all the fan actually does is recirculate the hot air, which is not that helpful. If you stick an empty bottle, you know, an empty two litre bottle, fill it up with water, stick it in the freezer when you go to work in the morning, take it out at night and stick that bottle of ice in front of the fan. As the fan blows over the ice, it's now blowing cold air over you rather than recirculating warm air. And little things like that can make enough of a difference, particularly in those summer months, to help you get slightly better sleep. Definitely taking hold of that. (laughs) That is a really good (laughs) tip. That is a really good one. I liked that you touched on the fact that people spend almost a third of their life Mm. in their beds, like 
in their bedrooms. And it made me think there's some freelancers that actually work from their beds. Yeah. <laughs> so how could this affect their sleep? Massively, I'm afraid. Um, so as a general rule, um, we encourage people that bed should be for sleep and sex only, nothing else. <laughs> um, um, the problem is, is that because sleep is a habitual thing, if you spend a lot of time lying on your bed awake, then you are conditioning your brain that your bed is somewhere where you are awake, which is likely to contribute to making it more difficult to get to sleep. More importantly than that, it will make it more difficult to get back to sleep if you wake through the night. Um, so we all wake up naturally. We sleep in cycles that for adults are about 90 minutes uh, in duration. And at the end of each sleep cycle, we briefly wake up and then we go back to sleep again. And usually we don't remember that we've been awake. Um, so you will all wake up many times through the night and you're not aware of it. But if you wake up and you've got a brain that's been conditioned that lying in bed is somewhere where you are awake, your brain is just going to be that little bit less likely to fall back to sleep. So spending lots of time awake in your bed can be very bad for uh, getting to sleep and maintaining sleep. And we try and encourage it uh, as much as possible for people not to do that. The other thing is that if you're spending your entire day cooped up in your bedroom, working and then going to sleep and not doing much else, then you're probably not getting outside and getting bright natural light, which is really important for sleep, actually. You're probably not getting as much exercise and activities as you should be, which again is important for sleep. So for lots of reasons, it's good. Mm. Yeah, I think we are going to go on to some questions from freelancers mm. in a minute. Um, but specific to freelancers, I think I remember just as a student working from home, I'd work from my bed and then I'd be on my laptop all day yeah. and my sleep was crap. Like yeah. I, I would just like try to relax by watching Netflix. And yeah. Uh, yeah, it's just you get into that cycle and you don't realise how bad it is for your sleep. I can't physically work from my bed. <laughs> like I try, but then I'm just like, I really want to nap. That's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. no, that I does sound up, better. I take myself downstairs and I make yeah. sure that I get changed and I yeah. go downstairs. So I, I, now I do when I work it. from yeah. home. Yeah. yeah. I think that would be, you know, a really simple bit. So freelancers who are working from home, I think having a clear distinction between this is my workspace and this is my relaxing space and this is my sleep space mm. is probably a really important thing to do um, because it just helps to compartmentalise those bits of your life. And again, even really simple things. You know, if you're working and you're stressed about it and you're working from your bed, and if you're lying in your bed, you're still going to be going through the same things. Just that distinction of having a different place of doing those different things helps to separate them out and say, actually, that's done with now. I'm not working. I'm relaxing or I'm sleeping. My last question before we go on to um, questions sent in from freelancers is have any products come to the market um, that you have seen patients use and thought actually a lot of people are getting success from this? Because this works, pillow spray, yeah. I swear by. But I, I know that other people will say different things. Like, is there something yeah. that you think so I is think, really good? Uh, this works, I think, as a combination of lavender and chamomile, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. So both of those things are, you know, long-standing natural herbal remedies that help people to relax. So again, if you're somebody who... Uh, gets the relaxing benefit of those, they are likely to help your sleep. Um, the spray is a way for a company to turn that, you know, ancient so knowledge into money. Yeah, <laughs> so you can probably get the same effect cheaper uh, by, you know, just getting lavender essential oils or whatever. But, but yeah, so things like most of the things like that that work are basically just repackaging the basic simple stuff in a way that people uh, engage with. And the way our brains work, 
you know, if I give you something that is free, everybody goes, oh, well, I'm not going to bother with it. If I say, if you pay £5.50 for this amazing magic sleep cream, because you're then more invested in it, people kind of Take my money. go with it. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, we're kind of wired that way that, you know, if we're paying something, we kind of feel that it is going to work better. And because a lot of it is that kind of positive reinforcement, it works. But yeah, are there any products? No, I think it's all about basic, simple stuff, you know, so things like, you know, blackout blinds, you know, you know, doesn't cost you that much money, but actually kind of a big difference, particularly in the summer months, stop the light coming in the morning, you know. Um, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people, certainly, so we're talking in London, uh, a lot of people in London, I suspect, are in rented accommodation. So simple things like how, when was your mattress last changed? You know, again, you spend a third of your life there. It's worth investing in, you know, simple things like that uh, and those things. So, no, I don't think there's any magic. I think it's just about you're, you're better off investing in getting the simple stuff right, to be honest. I had a question that I've it's been on my mind since we found out that we, we had you on this podcast. I had to find out. So someone said to me that dreams mm. are basically like you're not actually fully asleep. Hmm. Is this true? Depends how you think about it. Um, so if we look at the electrical activity of the brain, so when we're doing detailed sleep studies, we stick lots of fancy electrodes on people's heads and that lets us look at the electrical activity of the brain and different types of sleep have different electrical activity patterns. So when we're in deep sleep, everything gets very slow and regular and rhythmic and everything calms down. During dream sleep, your brain's electrical activity looks very similar to what it looks like when we're awake. So you are asleep, but dream sleep is a very active time uh, during sleep in lots of ways. And one of the things that's going well, lots of things going on in dream sleep, but um, a lot of processing of what you've been doing in the daytime is being done in dream sleep. It's like your brain sorting out everything you've done. So, uh, you know, if you've learned something new, then dream sleep helps process that. It does got a lot to do with emotional regulation. It's got a bit to do with the memory you know, storage and regulation. So it's, it's a very active time. Um, so in that sense, yes, your brain looks very much like it's awake, but you are still asleep. So yes and no is the short version oh of that what does it mean if you've got the same person in your, in your dream <laughs> because I've gosh. been having this recently and it's freaking me out and I feel like I just need to have clarity on this who's the person yeah can't so, say. Yeah. so can't um, say. <laughs> during dream sleep yeah it's Jess you are going through so your brain is looking at all things you've been thinking about and things that have been on your mind so um Depending on who it is or what's going on, it may suggest, you know, somebody that's particularly on your mind, if it's somebody you know or all the rest of it. It could be something completely random. Um, uh, you know, so there's a lot of random assortment goes on during dream sleep. And actually, one of the other things that we think that dream sleep is important for is creative thinking. Um, and that's because there's a lot of random assortment. You know, so you learnt one fact five years ago and you learnt something new today. And there's not an obvious connection between those two things. But one of the things dream sleep does is it jumbles everything together. So creative inspiration can come from dream sleep um you know there's examples of that from science and from uh, music and all sorts of things um, so uh, the guy who discovered the structure of benzene which is an organic chemistry molecule and it's an unusual structure it's in a circle and no other things are like that and nobody had cracked the idea of this and he fell asleep he'd been dreaming about a demon that ate its own tail and he woke <laughs> up and he went that's it that's that's the solution it's a circle and that was the key insight that let him work out what the structure was um, musicians um, so the Stones and the Beatles um, uh, both of them have um, so the the riff to satisfaction uh, came in a dream uh, the lyrics to yesterday came in a dream um, you know it's just, it's just all in your head and then suddenly you wake up and it's just there uh, and you know new thought now we have some questions sent in from freelancers the first question is kind of similar to what we've hmm. spoken about before they ask um, my office is very close to my bedroom so I often don't leave the house 
I therefore struggle to sleep and I can't switch off. Yeah. How can I avoid this? So I think, again, it's the things we've already kind of touched on. I think it's, um, it is important not to be stuck up in the same place all day. You know, you should be getting some physical activity. You should be getting some natural light. Um, bright light in the daytime is one of the most important things to try and help keep our body clock uh, synced up so that we're awake in the daytime and asleep at night time. Um, and it sounds like this person is maybe needing to look at ways of uh, things that are not work that can help them to relax and wind down um, all of which are important um, and we're often very bad about prioritising those kind of things in our life but yes um, I think the more you're just cooked up in the same space the more everything kind of overlaps and the more difficult it is to, to get the, the quality bits that you need particularly for sleep. Now this one isn't specific to freelancers but Sarah asks I wear a smartwatch to bed that tells me I only get one and a half hours of deep sleep a night that feels really low. Should I be getting more than that? So first of all, I wouldn't necessarily trust your smartwatch when it tells you uh, what it thinks is deep sleep and what it isn't. When we do this in the lab, we hook people up to all sorts of electrodes, particularly looking at the electrical activity in the brain. The smartwatches are trying to guess the same information by using uh, data from movement, um, a little bit from heart rate, depending on which ones you've got. So they're good guesses, but it is an informed guess. So first of all, what the smartwatch is telling you doesn't always validate desperately well with what we look at in the lab. They're getting better. They are getting a lot better. Um, I'm a paediatrician, so um, I look after children and families where sleep is a problem. And um, one of the most brutal things that families get told from us is that actually we don't spend that much time in deep sleep um, or not as much as certainly not as much as parents want their children to do. Um, adults probably spend um, or should spend about 20 to 25 percent of the night in deep sleep. So if you're meant to be getting eight hours of sleep, 25 percent is two hours. So one and a half hours is probably not too far off um, what should mm. be right. Um, we tend to get deep sleep preferentially but towards the beginning of the night. So the first third or so of the night tends to have more deep sleep in it. And in the latter half, two thirds of the night, sleep is much more made up of light sleep and dream sleep. And those are both stages of sleep. It's much easier to be woken up from. So you're much more likely to wake up through the night. But yeah, an hour and a half, two hours of sleep of deep sleep is probably about right for most people, to be honest. OK, that's interesting. Um, we have one from Matt who says, I have sleep apnea and often have bad sleep and I find that this affects my work. I often have to have naps in the day as well, which can be difficult with work. I follow instructions from my doctor, but is there anything I can do to help me sleep and avoid taking naps in the day? So that kind of touches on the idea that we uh, said earlier that if you... You know, so if you're finding that you're having to sleep in the daytime, then one of the, the reasons for that might be there's something wrong with the, the quality of your sleep or the control of sleep in the daytime. Sleep apnea, which is a pretty common problem, actually. So that is um, effectively inefficient breathing at nighttime. Um, and what that does is it affects the quality of sleep that you get and makes it very poor quality. The poorer the quality of sleep you get at nighttime, the more tired you are in the daytime and the more you're likely to fall asleep. For obstructive sleep apnea in adults, um, if you have seen your doctor, then that's the most important thing. Many adults find they need treatment with something called CPAP, uh, which is a mask that goes on your face. And basically, it just blows a column of air down through your nose and your mouth, and it keeps your airway open, which stops the symptoms of sleep apnea. And if you've got to that point, then... If you're still sleepy in the daytime, then it needs a bit of refinement with your doctor to make sure the settings in the machine are right and all that kind of stuff. If you've not got to that point, then you need a discussion with your doctor as to whether your problems are bad enough to need that kind of help. 
if you've done all that and you've still got a problem, then almost certainly it's going to be coming back to all the very boring stuff that we've already touched on. You know, so if you've got obstructive sleep apnea and you're using CPAP and you're still tired in the daytime, but everything else is fine, but you're also a very irregular sleep pattern and you're not doing exercise in the daytime and you're on your phone watching Netflix before you go to bed and you're drinking caffeine, then your sleep's going to be affected as well. Um, so it's, again, it's that combination of if there is a problem, identify it, treat it and treat it properly. And if you've done that, then you just need to be looking at all the other basics for sleep and getting that as good as possible. That's so interesting. Unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this episode. Um, you'll be able to find a lot of information in the show notes below and on Freelance Corner. Join Freelance Corner, the online platform for the UK's freelancers at freelancecorner.co.uk. You can also subscribe to Freelance Party Broadcast on the Apple Podcast app, Spotify or any other podcast platform. Please like, share and leave us a review on your chosen podcast platform and let us know what we should quiz an expert on next time. Thanks, Michael. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me.